Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Last week, we talked about what if we were wrong about the meaning of sin, what sin really is, how God sees us, and how it affects us. What if we were wrong about that? And we learned what sin really is. We learned that the Greek word is harmartia, and when people who wrote the Bible shortly after Jesus was here on earth in the first century, what they meant and what was meant by it in that language was missing the mark. And the story that they used to explain what it meant was like an archer shooting an arrow and the arrow falling short of the bullseye, falling short of the mark. That's what it meant. When they talked about it in that day, if we were using speaking in English, they would have said, when someone misses the mark. And we're told in Romans 3.23, which we discussed last time, that all people sinned and fell short of or missed the mark of God's glory. And we learned that actually the way that read in the original Greek was all fell short of God's glory. Sin and falling short of, they're not two different words for it. It only means falling short of. And we learn in the next verse in Romans 3.24 that the same all were made right with God and all our sin was canceled because of God's glory that happened at and God's grace that happened at the cross and Jesus finished work at the cross. So knowing what sin actually means, it means using that word is not a good word to use, really. We realize that what the deal is, it's really missing the mark of God's glory and God's grace. Now, Jesus took that That mindset that we had, that incorrect mindset that we had, he took that away at his finished work at the cross. John 1.29 says, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away all the missing of the mark. Now, what sin actually is, we learn from Jesus, is the sin of unbelief. Not believing that God is unconditional love, grace and inclusion, acceptance and restoration of all, not believing who we are, who God says we are, and not believing who everyone else is. It's missing the mark of believing who God really is and instead believing in a false small g God. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 16. The Holy Spirit is convincing people, not convicting, but convincing people of today gently, not berating us, not chastising us, but gently working every second of every day to convince us of who God really is, what God is really like, and exposing our false belief. We are actually dead to 
that false belief. We're free from it. We're dead to sin. We're free from sin. Sin has no control over us. All of that is in regard to the sin of unbelief. Now, when we believe the truth that none of that unbelief, none of that, quote, sin has any control over us, then we experience the fullness and the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Oneness in action that we talk about, living as one or in union with Christ in us, is living totally free from any fear of the consequences of what we think is sin. Now, what some people call the acts of sin, it's actually disease. It's experiencing disharmony or low vibration. Sin is not kryptonite to God. The acting out of having a false belief about God ends up being things like lying, cheating, stealing, and, you know, committing adultery and stuff like that. And of course, God is sad when those things happen to us because we're all his kids. He's sad about how it affects us and how it affects other people. But that's all a result of missing the mark of believing the truth of God. God keeps no record of that. He never brings it up again. He holds it as far as the east is from the west. He will never chastise us about it or condemn us about it or hold it against us or even bring it up again. Sin is not kryptonite to God. Jesus proved that when he came to earth and was here for 33 some years. Now, hell, in quotes, hell is the mindset or the state that we live in to one degree or another when we don't believe the truth about who God really is when we don't believe the truth about who we are, when we don't believe the truth of who everybody else is. Now, Jesus took that unbelief away. So objectively, that's true. Until we believe it, we're going to live in a hell of our own creation, of whatever degree that we force that on ourselves, and miss the mark of God's glory and God's grace. Now, subjectively, we will miss the mark, but objectively, it will never leave us. And we will one time, on one day, all see and believe that. And the Greek word for that is sozo, uh, which we translate salvation. It means being made whole in every way. So I want to encourage you to not even use the word sin. Call it missing the mark of God's goodness and glory and grace. When we miss the mark, of that belief, our actions are diseased. And when we believe in a false, abhorrent, small g God, and we believe that that God created an eternal torture chamber and tortures people forever, that belief is sin. That's missing the mark of God's perfection, perfect love. Sin is not at all what we've been taught it was. Sin is actually believing in a false God that tortures people forever and missing the mark of God's perfect love. And when we believe that, we live in a hell of our own creation. Now, 
I'm not going to give you all the verses, but Scripture says Jesus took that unbelief away. God holds it as far as the east is from the west, chooses not to remember it, keeps no list of it, and will never bring it up to us. Here's just one of several verses that say this, and this is from the Jewish Scripture, what we call the Old Testament, Isaiah 43, 25. Isaiah is a prophet, and he's speaking for God here and as God, and he says, I— Yes, I am the one and only, capital O, who completely erases your sins, never to be seen again. I will not remember them again. Freely I do this because of who I am for my own sake. The message translation says, I, yes, I am the one who takes care of your sins. That's what I do. I don't keep a list of your sins. That's what God do. I say that because I'm a baseball fan, Kansas City Royals and St. Louis Cardinal fan, and I get to go to a lot of Royals games and watch all of them. We live just less than an hour from Royals Stadium, and when the Royals won the World Series a few years ago, they had a really fast outfielder on the team, a guy by the name of Gerard Dyson. And Gerard Dyson, during that period of time with the Royals, usually didn't start in the outfield, but he would be brought in as a pinch runner late in innings, and he would invariably steal second base and steal third base. And then even on a slow ground ball to the infield or a pop-up to a deep infield or short outfield, he would score. And reporters would say, man, tell us about that. How does that work? And he, what he said was, is that's what speed do. He couldn't say any more than, hey, I'm speedy. That's what I do. Well, that's what God says. What God says he do, that's what I do, God says, is I take care of your sins. I don't keep a list of them. I erase them. I don't hold them against you. Now, God does that. Gerard Dyson did what speed does because he was fast and speedy. God does that with us because God is love. That's what love does. And he does that because we're his kids and he loves us. And so that we will no longer live in fear. He doesn't want us to have any fear at all of sin. In Hebrews 12, 10, God says he doesn't want us to have any memory about our old false perspective mindset about fear and danger of hell and being feel like we're going to be tormented. God calls that having a sin consciousness. And he says, I don't want you to have a sin consciousness. I don't want you to have a sin mindset because that creates fear. And we know only true love, perfect love can set us free from that. And it has already. Now God wants us to believe that. And that's what the Holy Spirit is in the process of explaining to all of us now. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Here's what the Apostle John wrote, Jesus' closest friend during his time here on earth. He wrote this in John 4, verse 16 to 18. He said, we have come into an intimate experience with God's love. And the word there is means unconditional love. And we trust in the love he has for us. Then he says emphatically, God is love. Not that God has some love, not that God loves people, but God is love. God loves. That's what God do. He goes on to say, those who are living in love, who are experiencing it and believing it, we actually live in it. And God lives through us by living in or being in seamless union with God 
love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Because all of Jesus is now, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment and torment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. What God wants us to do, here's what God's love is in its full expression. It's not fearing the consequences of sin from God. It's not fearing the day of judgment. It's having no fear of judgment or torment from God ever. Love never brings fear. Love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Now, that objectively is true. Now, of course, in a day-to-day basis where the rubber hits the road, those old thoughts will sometimes show up in our mind because evil, the evil one, or however you see the evil force, whatever, evil does not want us to know how good God is. Evil doesn't want us to know the true nature and character of God. So evil will put thoughts in there, in our mind, and we can immediately revert back to the old mindset. I mean, maybe we'll get angry with our spouse or somebody at work or whatever, and we'll say something hurtful or whatever. Then almost immediately, or at least later on, or sometimes we'll wake up in the middle of the night and we'll be afraid and we'll go, oh man, because of what I did, God's going to get me for that. I wonder if I've lost my salvation. Is, you know, all, is God gonna, How's God going to punish me for that? We need to just, anytime we have those thoughts, say, nope, not playing that game. I'm going to access the mind of Christ instead of those thoughts. And I'm going to let the perfect love of God cast those thoughts out, give them to Jesus. I'm not going to take those thoughts. I'm not going to have that fear. I'm going to let God's perfect love cast that fear out of me, and I'm not going to be afraid of punishment or torment. Now, sometimes when we forget that truth, we will act out. We will miss the mark, and we'll act contrary to our real identity. We may lie, cheat, steal, gossip, whatever. We may abandon somebody or whatever. The Holy Spirit will remind us, not convict us, but will remind us and convince us of what we've done is not consistent with who we are, and will remind us that we want to believe in Jesus, take the mind of Christ, instead of believing our old thoughts about an action like that. That's what the original word metanoia means. It means to change our mind. Unfortunately, we've translated that into repent and taken that with a a totally wrong connotation. It means to change our mind. So here's what God wants us to do when those bad thoughts, those condemning thoughts come to our mind and we feel bad. Actually, the Apostle Paul calls that having godly sorrow. And he explains that situation exactly in 2 Corinthians 7.10. He says, godly sorrow, when we're feeling bad about something that we did, produces a changed mindset. We go to God, we change our mind about the results the punishment or the torture from the action that we did. And that leads to salvation, which is experiencing a fresh cleansing of grace, being made whole, and no regret. That's exactly what he says. When we feel badly, what we want to do is to change our mind about that. Remember that God's not upset with us. 
experience a fresh cleansing of grace, and then go on with our life with no regret. Now, we may need to make restitution, restoration with somebody. We, we may need to go to somebody and say, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I know what I did was not good. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Now, if we don't do that, Paul goes on to say, the sorrow of this world, which is believing in that sin as causing God to punish us and all of those things, that produces death or a living hell. You know the phrase living in sin, or at least if you're religious, you've heard that. Well, that person's just living in sin, whatever their definition is. It actually means living a life of missing the mark of the truth that God is love and good and has included everybody and accepts everybody. That's the lie of religion. Living in sin is actually, it's not doing something wrong. Living in sin is living a life of having a mindset where you miss the mark of truth and call good evil and evil good, calling the good God somebody who's evil and will punish you forever with eternal conscious torment. Living in sin is calling things just the opposite of what they really are with God and ourselves and others. So I want to summarize here. The word sin does not believe what we have believed. It does not mean what is usually meant by it in our society today. It does mean falling short of and knowing and believing who the true God is, who he says we are, and who he says all people are. Now, when Jesus came to earth, not a single person knew that. Nobody had known it since Adam and Eve before they developed a incorrect mindset. Jesus told people, he says, none of you know the Father. None of you know who I am. None of you know what God is actually like. Jesus told the people that, especially the religious leaders. Now, he changed everything in Jesus' finished work at the cross. When he was here on earth, he revealed who the Father is, what God is really like. He did that by teaching and also by the way he lived his life. Jesus never condemned anybody. He never punished anybody. He never brought people's sins up to them. The only sin that he brought up the only missing the mark was he brought up to the religious leaders that they missed the mark of believing and understanding who God really is and what God is really like. He's the only one whose case they, that he ever got on. For 300 years now, after Jesus rose from the dead, the church lived in the truth of all of that belief. And it was amazing. It totally changed the early church. It changed the people's mindset of who God is, what God is like. It totally changed their understanding of who they were. And it totally changed their mindset of who everybody else is. They acted that out in spades because, I mean, they were totally persecuted. They lost their jobs. They were tormented. They were beaten. They were whipped. They were fed to lions. They were sometimes tied to a post and set on fire and used to be provide the light for Romans' parties at night. And they did that joyfully and lovingly, praying for the people who did that to them while it was happening. They didn't retaliate, just like Jesus on the cross. Now, that was true for 300 years. Then, unfortunately, when the Roman government took over the church and made what they called Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire— and they controlled the leaders of the church. The leaders, in order to manipulate and control people by fear, started focusing on actions of missing the mark, actions of sin. 
and things have gone south ever since then with religion. Now, here's a point today. Whenever you're tempted to revert back to lies about sin, change your mind. Just change your mind. Let it go. Believe what Jesus says. Have no sin consciousness. Believe who the only true God is. Love. Totally good. Grace. Inclusion. Believe who he says you are. Perfect. Pure. Right with him. Included. Without fault. And believe who everyone else is. The same as you. What we have falsely believed about sin does not exist. It was a lie to begin with. Jesus exposed it, did away with that lie, defeated it, overcame it, and it has no power over you. Look at Hebrews 12.1. The writer says, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute goodness and faithfulness, what we want to do is strip off every unnecessary weight and the sin— the missing the mark, which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Then we'll run with endurance and active persistence the race that God set before us. See, that sin that so easily and cleverly entangles us is missing the mark of believing who God is, who we are, and who all other people really are. And it's having a sin consciousness, which God doesn't want us to have, and which Jesus actually took care of, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 9, 14. Jesus thoroughly cleansed our consciousness. 1 Timothy 4.10. We trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Jesus is the Savior of all people. All people are actually saved. Most don't know it yet. But those who believe, who know it, who believe who the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit truly are, who they themselves are and who everybody else is, they are the ones, especially those who believe, who are the ones who are experienced and enjoying being saved, being made whole in every possible way. All right. Here's the point of last week and this week's podcast, our message. God is totally good. God is perfect love with no conditions. God has included and accepted everyone. Knowing and experiencing and enjoying perfect love dispels all fear of sin and punishment and makes you free to enjoy living as one, oneness in action, experiencing oneness and union with God the Father and the Holy Spirit and everyone else. You are free. Jesus set you free. Jesus took away that unbelief, and he's in the process today, Christ in you, of revealing that to you so you can experience it and enjoy it, and so you can partner with him in telling everyone else the truth about who God is, who they are, and who everyone else is. Boy, that's a great way to go. Well, thanks, everybody for listening. Thanks for being with me for another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.